0: This is the Edisto TV Podcast, connecting the Blackwater region.
1: Welcome to Episode 24 of the Edisto TV Podcast. I'm Hugo. And I am Tom. And we are back once again. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting episode. This one is going to give us a chance to talk a bit about uh, some of the issues that have come up in the conversation about the Surface Water Withdrawal Act. Uh, We had a chance to get together with a bunch of the conservation community in South Carolina, uh, over the past weekend in the first couple of days of this week, and we'll get to that. But first of all, This Week Online, what you got for us, Tom?
2: Well, the one I think uh, worth note is the uh, link to a story in the state newspaper which uh, talked about the South Carolina Manufacturer Alliance giving an award to DHEC's director, Katherine Templeton, for the Defender of Manufacturing Award, recognizing her as a business-friendly approach uh, in performing her duties in DHEC. I'm
1: I'm just kind of trying to read between the lines. What do you think that means, Hugo? Well, I mean, there is an obvious uh, um, interpretation we could put on that. I will say the article, the folks at DHEC do make the point that uh, this is like if she'd gotten a Green Tie Luncheon Award, that, you know, they are trying to build friendly relationships with everybody they deal with and that this does not mean that she favors manufacturers over anyone else. That's what they said.
2: Yeah. I hear that. But uh it does seem a little odd that the the group that's regulating you you're giving them an award. You know yeah. what I mean? The person in charge of, you know, overseeing you, you're giving her an award. So I don't know. It it I it certainly gives you an idea though where the the governor and her staff and uh you know, the leaders in the administration where they stand. And we know that. It's job-friendly, jobs, jobs, jobs. And um, I hope that she can do her job and and truly regulate and, you know, exercise her duties as environmental control, Um, you know, even though she is clearly the hero of of the Manufacturers Alliance.
1: I I hear what you're saying. And, you know, I do think that there is a certain amount of separation between the professional staff at DHEC who do the actual monitoring and licensing and permitting and that kind of stuff and the appointed director of the agency but it certainly does give you an idea of what the state government seems to value as it uh plans and implements policy
2: yeah and i'm i'm not for you know useless bureaucracies that just slows down business i mean i think i'm i'm think most people are pro-business but um they do have a job to do and and as we see um one of the things we saw over over this uh trip uh, this past weekend was the Pine, um, what's the name of the place with all the waste?
1: Oh, the Pinewood um, yeah. Landfill.
2: Pinewood Landfill. That is a perfect example of what happens if business people are pretty much allowed to do what they want. If we don't regulate what they do or watch over what they do, and the next thing you know, we've got you know tons of waste that we can't seem to get rid of
1: yeah and you know our good friend bob Guild, who is one of the leading environmental attorneys in the state of south carolina has been fighting the fight on the pinewood landfill for 20 something years now i think uh, he said that he thought they had it all settled in 2000 and that uh now they're back at it again so we'll save pinewood for another day um this episode we're going to feature some of the conversations. Uh, that focused on the Surface Water Withdrawal Act uh, as we got together with conservation leaders. And we'll come back with that right after this.
2: This is Tom from the Edisto TV podcast. I just want to put in a word for Tyler Brothers. They've been serving the Blackwater region for over 100 years. They have a lawn and garden center with plenty of steel and husky chainsaws, weed trimmers, blowers, plenty of Husqvarna mowers and if you've got a lot of grass to cut check out those Husqvarna zero-tone mowers they have three or four different models to choose from check them out at Tylerbrothers.net or if you're on Facebook you definitely want to follow them and get the latest deals from them you can find them at facebook.com slash Tyler bros or search for Tyler brothers and you'll find Tyler brothers for Carhartt clothing they are the place guns and ammo your carhartt work clothes they've got camo from carhartt and drake and many more work boots from georgia boot rocky red wing justin wolverine and many more they are the place for your safety shoes your snake boots your camo whatever else you need when you are out in the swamp tyler brothers since 1904 it's the place for you to be on a saturday afternoon they're open eight to six six days a week closed on sunday stay away from the superstores and visit tyler brothers in wagner
1: Well, Tom, like I was uh, saying before we went to the break... Uh, In this episode, we're featuring conversations focusing on the Surface Water Withdrawal Act as we got together with conservation leaders from all over South Carolina uh, when they were putting together their priorities for the 2015 South Carolina Legislative Session. Apparently, this is an annual event. This was our first year in attendance ourselves. Uh, It was interesting, though, to get a peek behind the scenes, learn a bit more about how these things get worked out. Uh, Close to 50 participants gathered at the conference center at Camp Gravett. Over the three days between Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, uh, it was an opportunity to talk about the issues in depth, but also to form some personal relationships with lots of the folks who represent conservation groups from across South Carolina. Uh, You were there with me. Any thoughts in general on that before we jump into some of the uh, content?
2: Yeah, it was neat to uh, learn, uh, meet a lot new people, uh, people that we had not met before that are basically engaged in this ongoing fight. There were several river keepers there that I had not met before, folks from down in Charleston, folks from up in Charlotte. Um so yeah, a lot of uh, also the attorneys we're going to talk to uh one of them uh in our next episode, I hope. Uh, we'll talk to her tomorrow, the one that's uh, doing the lawsuit against um the state based on the uh surface water withdrawal act. And so we, there was just a lot of people there with a lot of skills, a lot of know-how and um, we, we definitely met some really great people and, and learned an awful lot.
1: On Sunday afternoon, Senator Brad Hutto came in and talked about his perspectives on the water withdrawal situation, among other issues, and he was kind enough to give us permission to record what he had to say for the podcast. Before I jump into that, anything to say about Senator Hutto's presentation?
2: Well, I thought it was great to have an insider, somebody who knows how the legislature works and who has been working on a lot of these issues for quite a while. Uh, Someone who's you know fancies himself as a friend of the farmer and yet um, he's definitely looking for ways to try to make something happen this year
1: so anyway, let's jump into those comments from Brad Heddo and then we'll come back with a bit more in a moment
0: I know we've got some environmental issues that you guys would like to get to, and I really here much to much as you listen to this, is to tell you I know. From a friend back here, that the Estill River and the potato farm, which raised the issue about the whole uh, surface water issue that we have in South Carolina, is something that needs to be uh, looked at again or revisited from the bills that we that we passed several years ago. The other friend here talks about pine wood in the paper, and I know that's another issue, particularly for those of us who live on Lake Marion, uh, that needs to be revisited. Uh, we did get the solar bill passed last year. Hopefully, that's working well. Sometimes after we pass a major piece of legislation. We find out that it didn't do exactly what we thought it was going to do and we have to go back and tweak it. But I hadn't heard any rumblings yet that somehow we needed to deal with that. And I usually, on most of those bills, say, let's let it work for a year or two or three before we go back and try and change it. I would have said the same thing about the surface water bill, but we didn't envision. I can tell you, not that anybody envisioned anything of the magnitude of the request that, that was filed when the potato farm came. We just, just didn't envision it. But I'll tell you something that we do envision but we don't have a handle on is how many center pivot irrigation systems do we have in this state and how many can we tolerate in this state? You know, when whoever you think got here first, or let's just say Columbus for the sake of argument, whenever he got here and the natives were here, uh, they had the same amount of water in South Carolina then that we've got now. Well, what we've done in South Carolina, we've dumped about four and a half million people on this state that weren't here 200, 300 years ago. And we're going to say that those, that same amount of water can host this many people, and it might be able to. But we can't go forward without some knowledge of what we're doing to our water resources. And that's going to take a study, it's going to take a, a study that's, that's a, an impartial study about really what are our water resources as it relates to the rivers and it relates to the groundwater? And I don't think we have a handle on that. And I know that there was a big push when we debated the bill last time about, you know, we want to be an industry-friendly state. Uh, That's all well and good, but you can only locate so many industrial plants on a river before you've exhausted its capacity to to produce as a river and still be what a river is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And the river is there in many regards for drinking water, for people that just want to fish, and canoe, and kayak. Uh, it's got, you know, and the, the animals, and the, the you know, it, all, everything that depends on the ecosystem.
3: Just to, to ask industrial agricultural operation
4: to comply with the industrial requirement quote, that side of it,
3: with a high threshold, seems to be something that we could ask as just a, you know, immediate fix. Yeah, because
0: I'll tell you this. Uh, represent, I mean, I represent uh, Allenville, Bamberg, Barnwell, Hampton, Collington, and Orangeburg. They get much more rural than that. Mm-hmm. And most of the farmers that I represent would be on our side on right. that, would say, you know, we want to be able to withdraw reasonably, but somebody, the idea of somebody coming in and taking all the water out of the river, that's not something to be even... You know the small and the medium-sized farmers are against, I would think, what I perceive to be the Farm Bureau position on that. So I think there's some room to, to work if we could define what a mega farm is or an industrial-sized agriculture operation is. Because in many ways the ag, the, the, the ag, you know, business community wants they want to approve more farms and mm-hmm. they want clarity. Right. So it seems like it might. It should be in everybody's best interest, I yeah. Think. Yeah. I mean, it's still a
5: long-term, you still have a long-term right.
2: job to right. look at the groundwater surface water, the plant, but we have flow data. Got- well, and right, and
0: that's another thing I was going to say is we know from the, the last couple of water bills and even the bill that we got, every river in South Carolina is unique to its own system, so you can't say, X number out of, out of a river. It's got to be out of every basin or that's every right, basin right, river. Because they're all different. And so, um...
4: But at least that large
5: user. seems to me that's the... That is the, the, is the large is river,
0: river. You, I mean, the large user should be that almost any river basin would say no to that. I mean, or at
3: least you have to have public notice, more consideration, contingency, and And, the yep.
0: and bring the science to it, yeah. Yeah. apply science. I mean, it, this, this is no brainer. This is, here right if the notion of a potato farm had been brought up at a hearing when we were debating the bill we'd fixed it before it got started it's just a, it's just one of the you know you try and envision when you, when you pass legislation you say we envision how it's going to affect the future and just that was just so far off it by radar screen nobody envisioned anything that big would come up anybody who claimed to be that big come along. At some point, it should move from a registration to a permit. It, it should transition at, at some level. And I think there, there must be some place, and it may be a higher level than ideally we would want, but you've got to start somewhere. I agree. I, agree. I think yeah. we can just get a process in place that says at some level you've got to get an industrial permit if you've got an agricultural operation that is out to an industry. That's where, that's where we'll, we'll Run into problems is if half this group says it ought to be this many gallons and the other half says it ought to be that many gallons, then we're going with a divided voice. And to be effective, we need to get together, then we need to try and get Farm Bureau with us, we need to try and get DHEC with us, and then you know, build consensus that way. And then you show up with, to my you know, uh, colleagues in the legislature who, for the most part, don't care. I mean, a lot of them just don't. They're up there for other reasons and, you know, they, 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 this is not their issue, they, they'll go along if nobody's uh, lobbying them hard, uh, or if you're lobbying them hard, maybe they will, but uh, a lot of mark this is not the issue that they're there on. <coughs> some point in time, Farm Bureau is going to come to realize that, same thing I was just saying, we need to avoid having a split among our membership, they're going to have a split among their membership too, where you got a group of people that thought Farm Bureau, what, Farmers love to say, and I don't. Speak it, I grew up on farms. They are the environmentalists. I mean, they're the frontline environmentalists. They're there every day, okay? And I, I believe, I believe that, and I believe they believe that, and I think to the extent that they see Farm Bureau doing something that's anti that, it's starting to bother some of them. And uh, many of them, because I mean, they're my. I live in probably the biggest agricultural Agriculture district in the state, so I know a lot of them are telling me that they are more in line with what we're talking about in this room and
5: what they're probably
2: talking about at the Farm Bureau retreat. Okay. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. And that was, uh, Senator Brad Hutto. And what'd you think there, Hugo?
1: Um, I, I thought that he did a good job of expressing how the issue isn't necessarily something that everybody's going to get what they want. You know, there's, there's going to end up being a compromise and, you know it's incumbent on our side if you want to call it that to stand firm for the things that we know we have to have but you know we we need to be prepared that the odds are we're never going to get exactly what we want in this situation
2: yeah pragmatism
1: All right, and on the issue of how do we get to what we want to ask for and those kind of things, on Monday afternoon there was a panel discussion of the surface water withdrawal issue that was moderated by Ben Gregg of the South Carolina Wildlife Federation. It featured our own Doug Busby of Edisto Concerns, Lisa Taransky of the Coastal Conservation League, Bill Stangler, who is the Congaree Riverkeeper, and Garrett Yubsis of American Rivers. It was a fairly lengthy session, so I've pulled together some excerpts that I thought were informative and gave the flavor of the thing, but without inflicting two hours of water policy conversation on the podcast audience. Anything you'd like to say about the panel discussion before we jump in there? Let it rip. All right, here we go.
4: My name is Ben Gregg. I'm with the South Carolina Wildlife Federation. And I know this water withdrawal issue is one that's on a a lot of your uh, organizational and personal agendas. And so uh, this is kind of a cross-section today of interest. Water withdrawal uh, was an issue uh, going back to the droughts in the early to mid-2000s. Uh, uh, and uh, like I think it happens in most states, the uh, dialogue, it was a dialogue, it was driven by a crisis and it took a lot of different parties to get into the room to come up with with a compromise. That compromise called for, in 2010, the law passed, the compromise was to uh, require future withdrawals of water uh, of three million gallons and over per month to require a permit from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. That compromise was agreed to by, uh, by the conservation community um, there was one there was one snag in the in the uh, compromise uh, the uh, farm bureau said that we will not support this bill unless agriculture is exempted from the uh, permit requirement uh, at that point the uh, there was a, a requirement for registrations uh, over the three million gallons to uh, to be required by DHEC which is a a little a lot much lesser process than a permitting process and with that provision in there Then the law the law passed From the conservation community point of view um, It was take it or leave it and we thought uh, the three million gallon uh, a month standard was a good permitting standard a good trigger for permitting uh, in in the industrial area and in the municipal and uh, public order Withdrawal area, so that was that was a compromise that we came up with in 2010. So rocking and rolling along for three years, and uh, all of a sudden we find that there has been a, a registration uh, in the agriculture area from a, a company called Walter Farms, and Doug Busby is uh, has been on this since day one along with, of course, Tim Rogers and his group, Friends of the Edisto. And I'm going to let Doug take it over from here and tell us a little bit about uh, how how you got involved locally and uh,
6: and uh, just give us a little evolution on, on where you all are, Doug. Mr. Moderator and Conservation Leaders of South Carolina, my name is Doug Busby, and on behalf of the Edisto Concerns and Friends of the Edisto, I would like to thank you for caring for conservation in South Carolina. Many of you have been involved in the conservation process for many years, and for that I would like to say a personal thank you, and I do, I mean that. I am ashamed to say it, but I've only in the last year become a member of the Conservation Coalition. Until recently, I was content and did not see a real need to join until that need landed in my backyard and threatened the very existence of the Edisto River, which which I love so. Now I'm trying hard to make up for that lost time. I'm not a farmer, but I come from a farming family. Many of my family members are still farming. and My son is, is a senior at Clemson, majoring in agriculture education right now. We are not against the farmers. We are against the law that promises more water than we have. I was raised hunting and fishing the swamps of the Edisco River, and I know firsthand the variable flows that occur on this river. What has occurred on with the large corporate farms can occur on any river and stream in the state. We've already seen instances this year where the safe yield is four times the actual flow of the river. We have seen historic low flows even though we were not in the drought. I fully realize that many of the, many of the conservation organizations are dealing with many different issues that are of great importance. But rivers that do not flow because of corporate withdrawals, cuts to the core of what South Carolinians are really about. I cannot think of South Carolina without thinking of the beauty of the roofs. With that in mind, I would urge you to make this issue the cornerstone of our legislative agenda for the upcoming year. Let it be known that Edisto Concerns and Friends of Edisto have committed all we have to correcting the flaw in this law. We on the Edisto realize firsthand the urgency and harm that this law has caused and will continue to cause by attracting big ag, and industry big ag and industry with inflated safe yield amounts. We are calling upon our neighbors and our friends throughout South Carolina to join us in the fight. After much much consideration, Friends of the Edisto and Edisto Concerns has concluded that any legislation that will give our rivers any real protection must include a permitting process for big ag, for large agricultural withdrawals. The permitting process addresses many of our concerns, though not perfect, but it creates a method of accountability and enforceability. South Carolina is a special place, and a major reason is the beauty of our rivers. We must find a balance in our public policy that protects the interests of all the users of our public waters in a fair, reasonable, and sustainable way. That should should be the objective of our laws, and that is why reform is essential. Again, thank you for hearing my cry and for fighting the conservation battle while I was asleep. (laughs) But let there be no doubt, I have waited. (laughs) And I look forward to serving in whatever capacity, cooking, cleaning, whatever, <laughs> whatever is needed to help further the cause. And I thank you. I really do. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate y'all fighting the fight and having the battles started. And Mr. Ben and Miss Ann and a lot of you older ones, gentlemen from DNR and Bill Marshall and Bob got all of y'all that, that have been fighting the battle so long, I, I want to thank y'all for fighting. I enjoyed many, many years what y'all were fighting for and took it for granted. I think now I'm
4: going to
7: turn it over to Lisa. I know she has a hard act to follow. First of all, I want to touch on the points that we all agree on. I think every single person in this room recognizes that the Surface Water Withdrawal Act is flawed. Right? Are we all in agreement? Yeah. (laughs) Um, so we recognize it's flawed and it's flawed primarily because of this exemption involving agriculture but what we aren't really asking is what else is flawed about it are we happy with the permitting process are we happy with safe yield, the way it's calculated and I think we all fall in different areas on that Um, but really if we were to sit down in a room and create our own bill, just us I think it would we would have 100% agreement on it and so that leaves us with this this common vision of what we think will protect the rivers um, and then the reality of what it takes to get us closer to that vision and ultimately to realize that vision and and that's what I want to talk about so I recognize it's flawed I recognize we need to do something but how do we get to exactly what that is. And then, more importantly, in order to succeed, all of us in this room have to be behind it. Um, Because, you know, we become weak when we are fragmented. And so, that's what I want to talk about today. Um, So, the approach, first of all, what are the problems in the law? I think that they fall in two main categories. From what I've heard, I would love to hear um, other thoughts on it. But, the uh, permitting issue we need to have some sort of threshold whether it's an amount or a percentage um, you know that we then have agricultural users apply for a permit right that's that's one of the suggestions out there again there are different ways to get to that and there are many there's a spectrum of what that threshold is from 3 million gallons to 800 million gallons a month of water withdrawal um number two safe yield is the safe yield is the the 20 30 40 calculation adequate do we like our permitting structure is this is this really safe is it safe yield Um, and do we want to touch that number Um, because really if we are saying that we are going to make ag users adhere to a permitting process does that permitting process ultimately protect the river? Because that's where we want to get, right? Um, you know, we don't want to go through this again, where we're not paying close attention to some of the loopholes. So, okay. that, that's it for now.
4: Was that you seat Thank you. you,
7: your seat
4: warm. Thank you. Um, now I'm going to turn it over to Bill Stangler, who is the keeper, Riverkeeper, uh, which. Congaree Riverkeeper reminds us that this is a statewide issue. It's not, it's not only about the Edisto. Edisto has been in the spotlight, but this issue is, uh, is about
3: uh, all of our rivers in South Carolina. You know, we're sitting here today uh, in the Edisto watershed, um, and if you follow these creeks down a little bit, you'll get to the South Fork and, and to where this issue really kind of picked up. Uh, and Edisto is near and dear to me. Uh, I spent a lot of time kayaking on it and fishing on it. I guess it's my fourth <laughs> year at the South Carolina river because I'm obliged to say that my three I work on are the best. Um, but um, it's not just an Edisto issue, uh, and that's why my organization is working on this. That's why so many people are here working on this. Uh, this this flaw in the Surface Water Law um, can impact every river in the state. Uh, and that's why it's really important that we recognize this is an issue we all need to come together on uh, and work on and address, because um, it's not going to just be uh, the folks um, working in Edisto, friends of Edisto, and concerns that get this done. We're all going to have to do it together. This kind of an idea that we can fix the whole Surface Water Withdrawal Act—you know, let's let's put the best thing out there, let's make this you know this wonderfully science-driven piece of policy that's going to protect every river in South Carolina. I want to do that. I think that's great. I think uh, you know, if we'd started a couple of years ago, get uh, some uh, raise some money, do a bunch of research, uh, spend a lot of time working out the idea, the strategies, building campaigns around it, um, we could be there. But we're not. We didn't do that. We're reacting right now to one piece of this issue, and that is the ag exemption. So while we're going to work on that, I want all of you to be thinking about what are we going to do three, five years from now when we really do want to put that really great piece of uh, legislation in that fixes this problem long-term and does all that. Let's start that heavy lifting so that we're not having this conversation a couple years from now and say, boy, I wish we would have started that that last time. So this is kind of <coughs> that, uh, that call to action that we need to start thinking uh, more strategically. Let's be less reactive and more proactive on some of these issues. I know uh,
4: I think everybody here knows Garrett Jobs. He's uh, of course the regional director of American
5: Rivers. We do have to come up with kind of a agreed-to strategy, agreed-to um, process that those that have already working on this issue um, are, are richly pushing, but also that the, the coalition as a whole. Now that we have our coalition here, and we as a whole uh, agree to this, and we agree to support the coalition, I mean, this the, the position that, that, that we think is the best. We uh, reiterate, we can't get everything we want. We know that the policy we have right now is not based on the best science. Actually, the best science tells us that um, if you take less than 10 percent of the of, of the natural flow out of a river, you, you will have a healthy river. If you take more than 20 percent out, um, you're going to start seeing some pretty severe impairment. And our law, the way it's written, you're allowed to take 100 percent of the water out of a river uh, if you're an agricultural withdrawaler. So we obviously have some big gaps between our current policy and what science tells us. Um, there are you know a lot of options how we address that. A lot of interest. Uh, American Rivers put out a the most endangered rivers, listing for the Edisto River, but really, again, it was about our statewide water law, and that you know, agricultural users, just as uh, industrial municipal users, need to play by the same set of rules. Where, where they are permitted, where they have restrictions, where they have to curtail the water use during low flow periods to make sure that that flows stay healthy. Um, so I think the real the three key camp uh, three key issues for us for being successful is one that we we do recognize what science says and that we get closer, we're not gonna adopt the science policy, but we get closer to good science uh, in the policy support. That we, um, that we have a well thought out campaign where we know what we want. Um, we know that we're, in my opinion, we're not gonna get panacea, but we are, are, I think, able to make some significant progress on agricultural issues especially. Uh, and then the third thing is that we have a coalition all of us that are supporting this. I think if we get an effective coalition that includes us in this room, includes farmers, includes the other water users, we can um, you know, change the direction that our state's going as far as giving away our water um, and really you know, make sure there's enough safe that's left uh, for you know, fish, for wildlife, and for people that found those rivers. So, um, again, bring up the rear. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Yep.
4: Uh, just one thing on uh, farmers, because I guess, you could look at this and sort of generalize <coughs> conservation is versus farmers' issue, but I think there are a lot of farmers in South Carolina who uh, who are willing to work with us. They might not agree totally with what our proposed solutions will be, but there are a lot of farmers in South Carolina who are who are willing to open this issue up and have a discussion.
1: So there's a taste of the panel discussion of the surface water withdrawal issue during the South Carolina Conservation Coalition. uh, I guess that was a retreat, a summit, something like that, over at Camp Gravit near Aiken uh, this past weekend. Tom, any thoughts? I I know that uh, Doug Busby pretty much put in words what we've been thinking right along, right?
2: Yeah. uh, I think Doug did a good job uh, of expressing to the conservation community um, how I feel, at least, which is, you know, while we were sleeping and enjoying the fruits of your labor, you know, enjoying the river and fishing and hunting and all these things, um, you were out there fussing with lobbyists and dealing with all this stuff. Uh, And so, you know, to the folks that have been working on these issues for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, uh, those of us who are new to this, we just want to say thank you for all the many years of hard effort. And now, now that we are awake, as Doug said, you know, now that we're awake, we are ready to get to work and, and, uh, tell us what you need
1: from us and we're going to try to help. All right. Well, I do appreciate, uh, everything that they have been doing obviously through the years. And, uh, I'm looking forward to working with these folks going forward. I, I think that there were a lot of good ideas in the room as we met over the weekend and, uh, boy, I'd I'd sure like to see us get to a place where everybody's interests are taken care of by a much improved surface water withdrawal law. Amen. All right. So in closing, it was interesting to be involved in the South Carolina Conservation Coalition Summit after a year of trying to catch up with what were sometimes fairly fast developing events. I get the feeling that we're beginning to get together in creating a unified position on the water withdrawal issue among many of the groups who took part. And in the next weeks and months, I think we're going to see some solid results first in clearly defining the issues finally, and then in putting forward and supporting real solutions that all the stakeholders are ultimately going to benefit from uh, having in place. It's a bit frustrating that it's taken us a year to get this far, I think you can agree with that, Uh, but as we head into 2015, we've learned a lot, we understand the situation a lot better than at this time a year ago, and we are well underway in the process of putting together a strategy for moving forward.
2: Yes, and it is almost time to get the boots on the ground, because the legislature starts in just a couple of weeks and uh, we got a lot of work to do. So we'll be sending out
1: more information soon. All I want for Christmas is a new Surface Water Withdrawal Act. (laughs) Tom, that wraps up Episode 24 of the Edisto TV Podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, we'll see you all next week.
7: This
0: is the Edisto TV Podcast, produced by Edisto TV, connecting the Blackwater region.